Now, if you open up to Mark chapter 4, we get a lot of verses, but we're, I'm aiming at finishing the whole chapter, okay? A lot of content. Okay, we did, in Mark chapter 4, the first 20 verses, we looked at the four soils, as the parable's called. And uh, that's what we studied on Wednesday night, for the most part. Uh, So I'm going to start in verse 21 and read through the end of the chapter. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear, and what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given, and he that hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should grow, uh, spring and grow up. He knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the seed is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and when there was a great calm, and he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Indeed, let's pray. God, bless to our understanding this passage. Um. We want to not just know it, we want to incorporate it into our life. Your word says that we should take heed what we hear and how we take it into our hearts is very, very important. So Lord, even before we start to unpack, Lord, we don't want to be hard, stony ground uh, with no root, Lord. We don't want to let the word be choked by other concerns, Lord. We don't want uh, Satan to come and steal it away. We want to be, our hearts, Lord, as it were, good soil that can produce. And we ask that you would bless to that end in Jesus' name. Uh, So, um, verse 20, these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. How are you good ground? Well, you hear the word and you receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100, by hearing the word and receiving it. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, not to be set on a candlestick? Wait a second, Jesus, track here. We're talking about soils. We're talking about receiving the word. We're talking about bringing forth 30, 60, 100-fold. Now you're talking about light. What, what's going on here? Oh, this is a very, very, very natural progression. What is the word? Is it really a seed? Well, yeah, it has life in it, but it's light. It gives light. Thy word is a light under my path, right? It illumines. Uh, In the beginning was nothing, God, and he said, 
in, God, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. What is the first thing that was recorded as saying? Light be. In the King James, let there be light. Light be. What do we know about God? He illumines. There's a dark situation. He speaks into the darkness and he brings forth light. And by the way, feel perfectly free to do that. You see dark situations around you every single day. People are stumbling about in the darkness. And they listen to other blind people. And so we have the blind leading the blind. And they both fall into a ditch. Inevitably, invariably, all the time. Feel free to speak into that situation. Bring light. You say, well, here's the problem. God is creator. I'm not creator. I, will, I can't say light be. No, you can't, but you can be creative. And you can speak into the darkness and bring light. Well, what will I speak? Well, God used his word. You use his word and see if light doesn't come. It always does. I don't know. My marriage is going sideways. My life is upside down. I'm in a ditch. I don't know what's going on. The word comes and God breathes light into my life. Illumination. Adam, you've been doing it all wrong. You've been messing up. Don't do it that way, son. Do it this way. And light and perception. And now I can see where I'm going. Now I can see what I'm doing. Now, he, this is why this is all it. Why is he, why is he talking about a candle? Uh, which, by the way, it's not a candle, it's a lamp. I think we all know that candles haven't been invented yet. It's an oil lamp. Is a, a lamp brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed. Under a bushel, it won't give its light. A bushel basket, think about. Under a bed, you might set the bed on fire. Uh, it's not going to work that way. Nobody does that. I never seen somebody have a lamp under I mean you might shine your flashlight under there when your remote control falls and rolls under the bed you might put a flashlight under there but I never seen anyone I've never I, I'm an electrician I've I've hung lights we put them out where the light diffuses and and the, the darkness goes away we never put I never put a light under a bed it's a silly thing right and we know that we all kind of laugh at the suggestion wouldn't you put it rather up on a, like a candlestick or a, or a lamp holder up at a place where it would do the most good, do the most benefit? Well, we all understand it's a rhetorical device to think through how we light uh, places. For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret but that it should come abroad. Oh, my goodness. What about the time when I... Nobody even knows about that. Nobody, is that going to be... Oh, my good! I hope, well, oh, now suddenly I'm worried and I'm filled with dread. All the embarrassing things in my life and in your life, 99% of them have to do with sin. If you knew who I have been in my life, for that matter, if you know who I am now, I, I, I think you wouldn't love me nearly so much. You're saying, well, is all that stuff going to come to light? No, but, well, yeah, if you're not a Christian. But no, if you, it, it, your sins and your iniquities, God says, I will remember no more. Either they'll come to light or they won't. And our sins won't. What will everything else come to light? Listen, there's a lot of subterfuge going along. There's a lot of conspiracy. There are, the Antichrist spirit is alive and well on planet Earth right now. And things are happening in an unprecedented way. We're living in perilous times. And the way it works is because people don't know what's going on. Americans don't know what's going on. I, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ, trust me on this one. You better than most. But I talk with Christians, and they talk about like, oh, when things get back to normal. And I think like, you, what about perilous times don't you see? It's, an, it's not like it's ever, well, there'll be a new norm. There'll be a new, a, 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 a calm maybe before the next storm comes. But you've got to understand, and I've been trying to sound the alarm. Brace for impact. It's like it's never been before. I've never had my job threatened if I didn't get a vaccine before. That's kind of new. OSHA, this week. Wow. Do you have any rights left? We'll see. 
is the Constitution the Constitution. And by the way, perilous times, except if you're in the United States, and we get the Constitution, you'll be all right. Don't worry about it, okay? That's how the thing works, right? Uh, but like I say, it's a new day. It's new things are happening like they've never happened before. I don't want to know about that. I, I want to pretend everything's going fine. Well, pretend then. I'm here to tell you, it's not like it's ever been before. Uh, and if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, Jesus is fond of saying that. Uh, I, I say if, if the shoe uh, fits. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm talking and people are really like, I know he's talking. My mom called him and told him, no, your mom didn't call. The Word of God found you out. And I don't even know about it. I'm speaking to people in a, in a place I don't even know. But some of you are hearing this and saying, yeah, I believe that to be true, but you're not really super convicted. Why? Because it's not where you live. It's something you've already kind of figured out. You've already reasoned out. Uh, have all of us reasoned out everything? <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's why I do things like go to men's conferences so God has a chance to work on me. Does he want to work on me? I think so because every time I have give him the opportunity, something comes up. Adam, you know, in, at this here, this situation here, you've got to dial this back. You've got to do this. You've got to figure this out. You've got to pray this through. You've got to, and he starts working on my life. He, he does. Sometimes I can share it. Sometimes I can't. Let's keep moving. He said unto them, Take heed what you hear, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And unto you that hear, more shall be given. He that, for he that hath, to him shall be given. He that hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. Now listen, this sounds like giving, because he talks about this, you know, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And he's talking about giving in such a way. And if, you know, and remember the, the parable of the miners and, you know, the one who has more is given and the one who is not, even what he has is taken away. This isn't that. He's talking about hearing and taking in the word of God. He's not talking about financial giving here. Although, you know, there's some things that are very similar. So with th that in mind, take heed what you, not what you give, what you hear. Not only you got to care about what you hear, be careful, little ears, what you hear. You want me to sing it for you? No, nobody wants that, Adam. Uh, but you got to be careful how you hear it. That's what, uh, it's the last question on Wednesday night. That's what we discovered. That's what the parable of the soils was all about. How you hear. You think Jesus was saying, hey, there's four soils. You might be one of them. Figure it out. <laughs> Wait. If your heart is hard and the seed lands on it, bounces off, and Satan comes and takes it away, is that a you problem? Is that, is that your fault? I, I kind of think it is. Are you so shallow? Because, listen, I've been all these soils. Okay, uh, are you so shallow that you listen to it and you say, yes, for me, and you just run out. And, but there's no depth to it. There's no depth to the commitment. I, have you been that? Have you let, and this is the one I wrestle with the most, have you let others things come and choke out the words fruitfulness because you got so many irons in the fire, you got so many things, you haven't differentiated between what's important and what's superfluous. Is that a problem? It's a problem with me. Or have you let the word of God say, so I, I've prayed through this. Lord, okay, you know, here's a, here's a sermon coming up. I'm going to listen to this. Lord, speak to my heart. Find out the things that you don't like and change them. Use your word to make me the person you want me to be. I prayed that for this church. I prayed that personally. And I want to, I don't want to just be a hearer of the word, not a doer. If I run into a commandment, I want to obey it. If I run into a truth, I want to believe it. If I run to a promise, I want to claim it. Uh, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Uh, dibs. I, I want that. That's, that's, you're saying you haven't given it. Why am I fearful then? But I'm not because I took the word, I brought it in 30, 60, 100 fold. I'm not going to say I'm fearless, but I've learned how to deal with fear because that's why God gives us his exceeding great and precious promises. But let's keep moving. Take heed what you hear. And what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you and given. And unto you that hear shall more be given.
You don't do good with the word. I keep pouring it out, but you're not taking it, God says. He that hath, to him shall be given, and he that hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. Wait a second, that's not fair. Oh, it's entirely fair. We think I'm, God's even, even God's so, uh, God's smart enough to not take his seed and put it on the sidewalk. It's precious. Haven't you figured that out? Like he's look. How do you take in and ensure that you keep taking in and stuff like this? Take it in such a way that it will illumine, give light. What's that? Well, it's not for me; it's for others. And we'll see it. The storm. He takes us through some storms for the benefit of others, for the benefit of ourselves. But I'm going to be a light bearer. I'm going to, I'm going to shine my light. So your light shine that it will glorify God in heaven. All these verses come together. And I think that's what the, the point is about. Can I share something kind of personal here? When um, I first uh, was asked to pastor church, I was like, you'd be overwhelmed. I've been waiting over my skis. And yeah, I'll teach the Bible and guide people's lives in a, and I think, I, thought, I don't know the whole Bible. I know passages. I know some stuff. I can't teach the Bible. I don't know the whole Bible. What am I going to say? I'm going to teach you on a passage, and I'm going to run out of stuff to say. Everyone's going to look at me. I'm like, I know we're only eight minutes in, but uh, I'm out. <laughs> Anyone else got anything? Uh, and, and I was really kind of concerned about that. Wouldn't you be? Uh, so I was praying. And I remember uh, the verse that God Shared with me. Has God ever given you a verse? And you know, it's not quite theologically accurate. I'd never teach it, but he gives it to me, kind of puts a little twist in it and says, here, for you, for this situation. Have you, you know what I mean? It's not teaching something that's untrue. Never, never, never. But it's like, it doesn't really mean that, and I wouldn't like. It, but it means it to me at the, for the situation. Let me look and tell you what I mean. Genesis. Um, God is visiting. God and two angels are visiting. I think it's Jesus Christ. Okay, I know it's God. Um, divinity is visiting Abraham in Genesis chapter eighteen. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. You're thinking, what has this got to do with you, Adam? Nothing. I'm setting the stage. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Should I hide this thing from Abraham? You know what? I'm not going to. You know why? Because I know Abraham. I know that he'll share this with his children. He'll command his household after him. And God used this verse to speak to my heart and said, listen, I'm going to give you something, and I want you to share it. And that's contingent upon you getting more and more. God spoke to my heart and says, you shovel it out, what I give you. I'll shovel it in. And by the way, figure it out. Guess who's got the biggest shovel? And have you ever seen me run out of things to say? That's what I mean. God spoke to my heart, used the verse to say, you know, because I was, I was like, oh, I, can't, I can't do this. Um, and, which, by the way, is a good thing to be not so cocky, so arrogant to think, I got this. That's not a good place. But God came and he visited with me and said, I'll give you what you need if you share. But look, I've been that way my whole life. I hope you're that, that way your whole life. Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. Right? And unto you that hear shall more be given. He that hath to him shall be given. He that hath not from him shall be taken away even that which he hath. You don't need to watch that Friends episode for the 18th time. Listen to a good teaching. There's so many resources out there. If you wonder what, I'll give you 30 of them. I'll give you more than, anyway. Let's keep moving. And he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. No, this is a 
we understand this, and should sleep and rise night and day. The seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. Do you understand how seeds work? Because I don't. And the farmer rarely does. I always wondering about this. You take a carrot seed, right, and you plant it upside down, will the carrot grow above the ground and the sprout the green pot and go down like roots? How does the seed know? Because I've planted radish from seeds, and they all seem to grow in the right direction. Even if I flip the seed, and I, I, don't, I don't know. The seed knows. How does that work? I don't know. How come, like, when you have them in the bag, they don't sprout? I don't know. I don't know much about seeds at all. The light's in the seed. It's got a program. It's got DNA. When it's in a warm, moist place, a little water, a little dirt, boom, life. And you have corn or radishes or whatever tasty thing you're growing. Incredible. I don't know how I don't know how the thing works. You know what? The word of God, I don't know how it works. I don't. I mean, I don't. It will fix what's ailing you. How? I I, I just spread it around. <laughs> Let God do the thing that He's I'm sleeping on I I don't know. Uh, and the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. God's awesome, by the way. He put all that together. And he put it in such a tiny little vessel. Can you build a seed? Can anybody enter it? Oh, we can splice what's already there, and we can manipulate and play around with some stuff. Can you build that from, you know, uh, someone say, oh, you know, God thinks he's so awesome, he builds, I'll build a mountain stuff, and he's, guy's saying to God, I'll show you uh, who's, starts, you know, getting a wheelbarrow, filling it up, and pouring it over there, and wheelbarrow filling it up, and God says, well, you know, he says, I'm building a mountain. He says, well, use your own dirt. Look, we're not God. I, I mean, we can fool around with some stuff, but we, do you realize how awesome he is to make seeds? Anyway. Think it through. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, I started gardening. Uh, I love it. I'm sick. I, I, I get it's like a sickness. I, I like the weed. And I'm out in the garden, you know, sweating and just on my hands and knees pulling weeds out. And, and God's just speaking to me the whole time. And I'm, I wander it like, a little tiny, you eat a seed, that ain't going to be nourishing, but that, the string beans or radishes or tomatoes or cucumbers or whatever it is that you love, sure is. God's awesome. When the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest has come. That's the end result, the harvest, the 30-fold, the 60, the 100-fold. And he said, whereunto uh, shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what shall... What comparison shall we compare it? Rhetorical. He knows how he's going to answer it, right? You know what it's like? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. And when it is sown, it groweth up and become greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches, so that fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Let's talk about this, because there's some controversy. It's not the smallest seed. Smallest seed is the orchid. But you don't plant orchids to harvest them. It's the smallest of the seeds that are planted that are harvestable. <laughs> it is the biggest uh, uh, herb. It's not the biggest plant uh, of all the plants in the world, but it's like a mustard seed. They're really tiny. Uh, when it's sown in the earth, it's less than all the seeds that be in the earth. It's less than the seeds that are sown, put it that way, in that category. But when it's sown, it grows and becomes greater than all herbs. What's he talking about? He's talking about whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God. It starts out real small. It ends up real big. So much so that even the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. That's pretty big. Because um, i got a garden. And what do uh, birds never do? They're never like in the, in the string beans, building a nest in the string beans. They never do, okay? Birds wouldn't. But uh, uh, they say these plants they can get is like, you know, they're usually like three or four feet, and they get up like some like eight feet. And yeah, birds actually do live in them. And mustard's grown all over um, Israel. Um, but this is like the kingdom of God. Look it. Where does it start? Jewish carpenter, 
12 disciples. Not the best and the brightest. And now is it in the whole world? I don't know, like 2 billion people claim to be Christians? I'm sure the number is much, much smaller. You say, well, why would it be smaller? Well, because the fowls of the air lodge in this great big herb. What do you mean, fowls of the air? Well, you remember when he said, verse 13, know ye not this parable, how then shall you know all parables? Because this is kind of a key to a lot of the other ones. You remember when he's sowing the seed, the birds come and they steal the seed. The birds are emissaries of Satan. And I think they're emissaries of Satan, verse 32 as well. Is there any demonic activity in the church? <laughs> please, please. Uh, I could give you so many examples, but you know them all anyway, and it would just be a waste of time and fruitless. And then I'd be accused of bashing other religions, um, which isn't ever my intention, but is there d demonism in the church? Oh, sure. It was from the first century. Something to be combated all the time. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. Isn't that a remarkable thing? Isn't that a remarkable thing? Sometimes people are just like, what? You mean Jesus is God? And we're thinking like, well, I'm glad you figured that out. That's wonderful. But we all had to figure that out at one point. I, I think sometimes I'm reading on a really esoteric plane, and I'm thinking about, I'm reading about the Assyrian in Isaiah, and is this the Antichrist? Is this a picture of the Antichrist? By the way, the answer is yes. And you read through those passages, and you never connect the dots, so you haven't yet. Or maybe some of you are there where you're connecting dots that others haven't connected yet, because we're all able to hear things at different rates and stuff, because of the who we are, how long we We've been around this and stuff like that. A lot of people say, boy, you know the Bible real well. Yeah, I'm only reading through it the 42nd time. And parts of it, maybe a hundred times, I've taught through the whole book. I mean, I'm old. And you get saved a week from Tuesday. That's, and you just know that Jesus is God. You're doing amazing. Keep up the good work. That's wonderful. But he, he, someone has said he tempers the storm to the shorn lamb. He'll, I don't know how scriptural that is, but in this, he'll meet you where you are. He'll bring you to where you need to be. And we all took these little baby steps spiritually. And it's a wonderful thing to watch. Be, listen, and, and be careful how you hear that, and you'll grow. And I will tell you this. We're living in a time where God will take old young men and make them old men in a hurry. And I don't mean that you say old men. I don't want to be an old man. I mean old and wise and sagacious and understanding things. And when I say man, I mean man or woman. Uh, he, he will, because I think of the times, the perilousness, he will, and, and the shortness of what we have left, he'll bring you there in a, in a hurry. He will accelerate growth, because I've seen it happen. I've seen people coming from left field, you know, heroin one day, and, you know, a few days later, they're like, not few days, but I mean, seemingly short time. They're Bible scholars. They know some stuff. You want to take this book seriously. You can't take it ser more seriously than God takes it. And he takes your growth very serious. I always think like, pig out. Who's, whose foot's on the accelerator? Who's, whose hand is on the thermostat? You can go as fast and furious as you want to go. But let me keep moving, Okay. With many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear, but without a parable spake he not unto them, and when they were alone he expounded all things to disciples. He only spoke in parables to multitudes at this point. Why? Because of the um, um, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You say, what are you talking about? You have to listen to the last two messages. We've gone there, we've visited there, but this is a line of demarcation. They blasphemed him, they blasphemed the Holy Spirit, and from this point on, only parables. The ones who don't get it, they're not going to get it. The ones who get it, the initiated, they're going to get more and more and more. And isn't it a blessing, parables? I mean, you remember a story. We remember, sir, we remember, I remember stories from when I was four, I tell you, because that's how we're wired. And so, you know, he, he'll say in these ways, and we'll, we'll have them for life. If, like I say, to the initiated. 
And the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. They're passing over to the other side. What did Jesus say? Hey, let's go over to the other side. Now he didn't say, and this is kind of key, hey, let's go halfway over and then sink to the bottom and all die and drown. If God has given us a promise, we can act on that promise. Even when scary stuff starts happening, wait, 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 wait. I got time for you, Storm. God has given me a promise. Listen, I had a question. Is he going to get us to the other side? And I'm talking about glory. I'm talking about from this life to be with him. Yeah, yeah. He's giving us, again, exceedingly great and precious promises. What's the problem? Is he going to get us there? Oh, I'm just so nervous. You know, I think I'm going to lose and he's going to, he's going to take my life away from me and he's just going to... Really? Hmm. Let us pass over to the other side. I have a verse from Psalms I think will be a benefit to us in this. And I have a question to you. Do you think that the disciples knew this passage? Oh, I'm in Psalm 106, which they probably knew also, but it's not going to benefit us. Psalm 107. Now think. Andrew, Peter, James, and John, and maybe as many as two or three others are all fishermen. We know the four are, okay? Scripture tells us that. So we have these four, and they are fishermen by trade on this sea that they're going into the storm in right now. Okay? Do you think they know this verse? They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. And by the way, I'm in Psalm 107, and I'm reading from verse 23. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to heaven, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. <laughs> then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. How many of you suppose that the disciples have heard this uh, in the past? No one? Good, just me. I know, I know. We're not a hand-raising church. I get that. Well, in worship, but not in when I ask questions. He's showing me how rebellious you are. I'm fine with it. I'm a rebel my own self. I would suggest that they've heard this read in synagogue. And if you are making your livelihood on the sea, by the way, it's not a sea, it's a lake, okay? It's about, it's a little smaller than Moosehead Lake. I checked the square miles and stuff like that, just in case you're wondering. We're not talking about, you know, the Black Sea or the Caspian Sea here. We're talking about Gennesaret. Uh, you know, it, it's called several names. Um, Gennesaret because it's harp-shaped. Uh, it's called the Sea of Tiberias. It was called uh, the Sea of Galilee because it's up in the Galilee section. Okay, but this is where we're talking about. Um, he maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. The, the, the waves, they reel to and fro. They stagger like a drunken man or at their wit's end. If you, you were listening to that, if you were in synagogue on a Saturday and the, the lector was reading that, you think you'd like, wow, that's incredible. You think you'd remember something like that? Do they remember it? Be careful, little ears, how you hear. 
Let's go back to our, let us pass over the other side. Now, Satan's involved here, I think, okay? I think he's trying to get rid of Jesus and trying to get rid of the early church. Jesus is not headed for drowning. As we learn in Psalm 22, he's headed for crucifixion. By the way, I got a comment. I, it's been a long, long time since we visited Psalm 22 in teaching. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That is a large clue. Is that what Jesus said from the cross? Yes. And he's pointing us to Psalm 22 when he says that. By the way, why did Jesus say that? Because God had forsaken him. He became sin for us, remember? Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my roaring. Oh my God, I cry day and night, but you don't hear. In the night season, I'm not silent. Um, I am a worm. And no man. Very scriptural. A reproach of men and despised of the people. Were they? Well, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he should deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. Is that what they said? Yeah. Is that a happy accident or a coincidence? No, that's prophesied. Here in Psalm 22, the people around him would say that. Um. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. What's going on in the spiritual here? Incredible. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. Again, what's going on in the spiritual? I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. Is that a crucifixion kind of event? Yes, it is. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Did his tongue cleave to Ruth so much so that, you know, he took the the wine, the vinegar, and he, so he could say, you know, uh, it is finished, among other things. Uh, when he said, like, you know, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, they thought he was crying for Elijah. Why? Because his tongue was sticking to the roof of his mouth. Probably sounded like, Eloi, Eloi, You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't coherent enough. Is great dehydration a part of crucifixion? Well, of course it is. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. I would say those are two different things. Because I think there's a spiritual and I think there's a, a physical group there. They pierced my hands and my feet. What was happening in David's life that he would write, they pierced my hands and my feet? I see what's happening in Jesus' life. But was there any... Sem semblance of it in David's life it was just pure prophecy who knows I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture well, that's just, what is that some happy accident no that's the prophecy Jesus wasn't going to drown he was going to be crucified and on and on it goes but let's go back to Mark chapter 5 by the way how do you drown somebody who goes uh Water skiing without a boat. Just a thought, right? And he can make others walk on the water as well. Talk to Peter about that. But poor Satan doesn't know any of this at all, and he's trying to do them in. He sent away them all. They took him even as he was on the ship. They took him even as he was. Well, broke down, tired, exhausted. Come on, Jesus. We'll, we'll take care of you. We know what you're doing. You, you can just relax. You can chill. We'll, we'll get you there, okay? <laughs> I, I laugh because every time we trust in our own ability to do something, that's such a mistake. Um, and there were also with him other little ships. I heard one guy, and he was talking about, well, there was fellowship, and there was, you know, um, membership, and hardship, and, and he was trying to, and it was cool, but it didn't have anything to do with this. I think the other little ships, is because every time we go through a storm, we have a very high to the skyline profile, and others are watching us to see how we're going to be, to see how we're going to endure the hardship. And it's really a time to let our light shine, isn't it? 
He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. There's a leather pillow there where the tiller is, and, and so he's using that as a, a pillow, and he's crashed out. Uh, oh, there rose a great storm of wind. The waves beat in the ship, so that was now full. It's in danger of sinking. Okay? The wind and the waves don't wake him. You're saying, oh, that doesn't give me a warm fuzzy. He's a human being, very much like you, very much like me. Subject to things like hunger, the things like exhaustion. But don't worry. He's at the right hand of God. He ever liveth to make intercession for you. The God of Israel does not slumber or sleep. Jesus in his humanity certainly did. Okay? Is he asleep now? Do we got to scream and wake him up? <laughs> no, not at all. Is he attentive to the cry of his children? Only always. Only always. Listen, listen. Are you a mom or a dad? Or do you have one? I, I, I have, I've seen remarkable things, okay? Uh, you, you say, I would never let anything happen. My little treasure, my little bundle, my... Now multiply that by about a billion because you don't have the love for that child that God has for his children. He's asleep. And they say unto him, Master, carest not thou we perish? Okay, we're dying, and you might want to wake up and die, <laughs> die with us. I don't even think they're asking him for help. They're, they're accusing him. Hey, you don't care. Now, I know, and you know, none of us have ever done that, accuse God of not caring about us. I know, we uh, not in a million, billion years. Well, I can't even confess. I might have done that once or twice. Or thousand, I don't know. But you don't care. And as I pout and throw my little hissy fit, because I'm still to this day more of a drama queen than I want to even admit. Just telling you. Does he care? The wind, the waves, raining on your face doesn't wake you up, but the cry of his children does. I think that just speaks volumes to me. I ain't worried. This is a Satan throwing a hissy fit. Psh, ain't nothing but a thing. Oh, 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 my boys, they want, they want me awake. They, they need me. Does that speak? Does that say anything to your heart? He rose and rebuked the wind. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He 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 arose and he rebuked the wind. Said on the sea, "Peace, be still." Now you got to look at this in the Greek. Be muzzled. You'd say it to a dog. Okay. Got a nasty dog that's going to bite and everything else. You know, you know when you come, somebody comes in your house, a stranger, the dog barks and carries on. And the good dog, you say, the master says, shut up and go lie down. And the dog shuts up and goes, goes to lie down. Now, not all dogs do that, because I know, right? Some dogs are just not controllable. This one's very controllable, because the master of the universe is saying, shut up. Be muzzled. And the wind ceased, and it was great calm. <laughs> I just love it. Blowing, what is it, eight, ten-foot waves? Who knows? They're up, they're way down. They're looking at a wall of water. They're way up, they're way down. These are very experienced. They've seen it all. And here it is. They're like, this is not going to end well. We're going to die. And they're very, very experienced on this lake. And now they're waking up the carpenter for help, right? Uh, I think we're in over our skis. And God will bring us in over our skis. Why? He brings us through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. We wouldn't know that if we weren't in the valley of the shadow of death. If we never had a problem, we couldn't know that he could solve them. If, if we meet God in the storms. Then, listen. Because there's a lot of theology out there that's very poor. If you're going through a storm right now, it's because of disobedience. Oh, I get that. 
Jonah was in a storm of disobedience, but these guys were doing what God told them to do, and here they are in the midst of a storm. Have you ever been absolutely obedient to God and found yourself in the midst of a storm? Of course you have. Of course you have. Listen, this is Storm 101. You can't mail this one in. You have to go. This is not an elective. You have to go through this class. You have to understand who God is, that he's the God of storms, that he can quiet the storm in your life. You have to do it. Uh, He's going to bring you through it, and he's going to bring you through it to the other side. And he's going to introduce himself in a way you're going to say, what manner of man is this? Who is? I didn't realize what I was dealing with. And storms are necessary. You know that there's a Christian DeMarco song, The Wind and Waves Still Know His Name. I love that. Because he's no less powerful for the storms in your life right now. And someone has said a Christian can be defined as someone who's just about to go into a storm, someone who's in the middle of a storm, or someone who's coming out of a storm. Storms happen. Remember when he says, build your house upon the, uh, upon the rock? He says, when the waves come, when the wind blows, when you know the rains come upon it. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. It's a fallen world, storms happen. You want to have in your corner the one who speaks calm over the storm. The wind ceased. There was great calm. I think it was, in my mind, it's tempestuous. You see it in the movies and stuff like this. He says, knock it off. And all of a sudden, it's it's a sea of glass. The sun comes out. It's a little butterfly flitting across the bow. Wind, not even nothing. Zero miles an hour. Because when he says, be calm, this calm. Why are you so fearful? Really, guys? Why are you so fearful? Hey, let this speak to your heart. If you have ears to hear, why are you so fearful? One of the questions this week, I'm going to tell you, what, what makes you fearful? Why do you have no faith? And one of the questions this week, what causes you to have a lack of faith? This, we can be honest with each other. But here he's, he's really chiding the boys, isn't he? Guys, really? That's a, that was nothing but a thing. You think I'd let you drown? You think I'd let you die? You think I care about you? Hey, the book of Acts is in this boat. I got, I got a lot left to write. Oh, y'all going to go through your storms. Y'all going to meet your end. But it isn't today. It's not now. It's not here. Don't you remember I said, let's pass over to the other side? He gives them grief for their fear. Amen. And they feared exceedingly, verse 1. And he doesn't give them any grief. And you have to ask that question, why? If fear is a bad thing, you remember outside in chapter 21 of Revelation, are the what? The fearful and the unbelieving, etc., etc. If fear is such a bad thing, why doesn't he... Give them grief for verse 41. So on a scale of 1 to 10 in the storm, they're fearing about a 10. Now, he says, shut up. Calm. And now their fear is up to about a 12 and a half, 13. And that's okay with him. Because they're fearing the right thing. I think they understand. We're not dealing with just some Galilean carpenter who's got a bag of tricks who knows how to restore a withered hand, who has a secret over demons. We're dealing with the God of the Bible, creator God who tells waves, stop it, who tells wind, knock it off, and they obey him. They got to that place where, and this is the reason for storms. Can we learn that without going through it? Can we take the correspondence course? I wish, I wish for you. You know, very often, I'm going to end here, Who's a, what manner of man is this? Who is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Very, very often I see someone get saved, and then God takes them through an extraordinary event that I would think, like, if I was God, I'd never do that. I'd let them get their feet under them. I'd let them grow a little bit. I'd let them enjoy the things of the Lord. And maybe you can look back when you first got saved and you were hit with, like, such a hurricane. 
and the waves came and you were flipping end for end and you didn't know where bottom was or which end was up. Why do you do that, God? I know how to be God. I know how to get people to trust me. And if you, you know, I think this is a test. I really think so. And God's tests are pass or repeat. You never fail because you'll keep doing it until you realize he'll take you to that place where you are. And I think we can cooperate with him. Um, so I can tell you about storms that I've, and I'm not going to, I'm out of time, that I've had this year that have just come up in my life. Unexpected things. What do you do? Fear. When in trouble, when in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. Right? Oh, you just trust God. God, we've been through a lot worse than this together. I know you love me. Perfect love casteth out fear. So what are you trying to show me in this? Let me learn it. And let's kind of move on with, you know, past storm. It's not storm 101 anymore. I don't I lost track. It's a big number, right? And he's still showing me things. He's still taking me through things. It's still, and one of the most effective ways is bringing me to the end of myself. What can these people do in this storm? Nothing. But they do a very smart thing. They cry out to Jesus. Let that be a lesson. Look, you don't know Jesus. And I'm talking to people who are listening online as well. Who, who quiets the storms in your life? Are you serious? Nobody? You just white-knuckle your way through? Are you kidding me right now? How ridiculous are you? He loves us. He will bring us through. The storms are going to come. But he'll bring us over to the other side every time. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Let's stand and pray. and We'll, uh, we'll be out of here uh, with singing. Oh, Lord, I, I praise you and I thank you that all our troubles, all our trials, all our storms, all our battles, you're the God of all of them. And I know it's tough sledding sometimes, Lord, but you're good and you're faithful. And I shudder to think, you know, when death comes and when um, sickness visits us and when, you know, unemployment and relationships go sour and all these things, Lord. I shudder to think about those who don't cry out to you. But Lord, uh, you're our, our help in all kinds of trouble and we praise you. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.